Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We knew it was coming at some point, Spartan Nation. We just didn't know when. Now we do. The Michigan State basketball program has been hit by COVID-19. At least three positive tests this week, and its game scheduled for Thursday night, that would be tonight, against Iowa has been postponed. What does it all mean? We will discuss on episode 18 of Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Lawson and Matt Wenzel on Thursday, January 14th, 2021. Uh, Kyle, you were supposed to be on your way to Iowa. I know, I know you're probably devastated. I hear East Lansing to Iowa City is one of the more scenic drives in all of America. Uh, well, I am a little devastated because Iowa has the best Marriott in the Big Ten. Um, and I, I actually gen- genuinely look forward to staying in this Marriott. That's, that's what a weirdo I am. Wow. Um, but no, I'm not looking forward to the drive. Uh, but we're looking forward to that game. Uh, I mean, not to just, uh, I actually weirdly thought Michigan State matched up okay in that game and hopefully they get to play um I I wouldn't have picked them to win but I I saw paths to victory for them um I want to see uh I want to see a uh an MLive article ranking the top (laughs) hotels in Big Ten cities uh at some point this season I I could write about 2,500 words I think <laughs> Matt, you made that drive this year, right? I did. I, I made that drive, and I stayed at Kyle's uh, favorite hotel, and that was the first my first trip to uh, to Iowa City. So uh, drive sucked, other than it wasn't snowing. Um, hotel, other than the whole COVID thing, uh, it's a good Marriott, nice area. It's at like the end of this street, and there's all these uh, restaurants around and stuff. Again. Can't really take advantage the, the, of that. The, the, the Coralville Marriott. Shout out to the Coralville Marriott. Shouts, shouts to the Marriott in Iowa City. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Well, at least it was a good football game you got to cover going there. Real competitive ball game. <laughs> you know, it was one of those where you're in the press box and you're like, I could really leave at halftime. The hotel's <laughs> ten minutes, like, like less than ten minutes away. I could be in the room and uh, still getting the same out of it. No, it was a. Uh, convenient location, uh, seventy some degree day in uh, in Iowa City during in November. Uh, no complaints uh, other than the fact it was uh, not a good football game. 
the Spartan Confidential po- podcast has devolved into the Yelp uh, review <laughs> source for all things Big Ten accommodations. Uh, but no, no, we appreciate you listening here today. We've obviously got some news to talk about. Uh, Michigan State and Iowa not happening tonight. We also just got breaking news that Michigan State's game against Indiana scheduled for this weekend is also canceled. Uh, Kyle just posted that. It's on MLive.com now. Um, not a surprise, but we'll obviously talk about what's going on with Michigan State's program how long we can expect them to be out, what does the timing of this mean, stuff like that. Um, we've all, we'll also uh, probably briefly touch on Michigan State's brutal loss to Purdue, which is uh, about a week ago at this point. The football player news also continues, transfers in and out. We also got some early enrollees, uh, which we'll touch on. But uh, we thank you so much for listening here today. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, uh, it would be very helpful for us would help more Spartan fans find uh, our content. And uh, also, please feel free to send us questions. I have a feeling next week's pod might end up being a pretty heavy, uh, maybe mailbag show unless we get other breaking news happening because it doesn't look like we're going to have games. So we're going to have to figure something to to talk about here, guys. I jokingly said we could maybe pivot to like, maybe get like Ryan Zook on here and talk about (laughs) Michigan State losing 9-0 in hockey and then coming back and winning the next night. Like if that isn't hockey, I don't know what is, but uh, (laughs) you know, I know none of us are really experts on Michigan state hockey. So we might need some help with that one. No, I used to be into college hockey a lot, but that was a long time ago. And I'm, uh, I'm not so much uh, an expert by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's college hockey. (laughs) You're saying it wrong. College hockey is how you say that. I would love to be uh, – I would, I would love to uh, attend more hockey games. I feel like I've been to a few college hockey games. I always have a great time. I mean, the atmosphere is underrated, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, but it's been – been a, been a long time since I was at one, I, I will admit. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've, we've uh, taken the detour down Marriott Road. We've taken a right turn on Hockey Avenue. Uh, Red Wings start their season tonight, by the way, too. So I'm excited for that. But let's get into it, Kyle. Uh, COVID, you know, there's teams all across the country getting hit by this. We've had pauses. It seemed inevitable at some point. Of course, Tom Izzo had it before the season, but uh, no, the players had seemed to avoid it. But uh this is news we uh, we got at least for the two positives, and then they had an additional that had to call the game. So how did all this kind of go down? You know, it was kind of strange. We um, uh, we spoke to Tom Izzo uh, at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, so the day before the Iowa game, and he revealed then that uh, two players, and he named them somewhat surprisingly, Marty Sissoko and Stephen Izzo had tested positive. Uh, he said that those were four days ago. Uh, but at that time, uh, it was still all systems go. Uh, they had, um, they had, everybody else had tested negative since then, uh, which would include, you know, at least Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so you had at least two days of clean testing since then. So I, I think at that point they were, they were hopeful that, you know, they were able to pull those guys after their tests and that it hadn't spread beyond those two players. And, you know, that's, that's supposed to be the benefit of the daily testing, right? Is that, um, you know, um, you don't have to do the contact tracing as much and guys can, um, guys can get quarantined quickly and, and you're going to avoid that spread. And, and that was kind of what they were hoping for on Wednesday. And then it uh, sounds like right before they traveled, they, they found out about a third uh, positive test. And, and that's really, I think, what kind of sh- started shutting things down. You had the Iowa game postponed uh, because of that. And then, you know, they just, 
right before we started recording, they announced the Indiana game on Sunday canceled. And, and that, that announcement was a little bit more vague. I mean, they just said that Indiana's canceled. Didn't say anything about if they got any more positive tests um, or if they're shut down or anything. They just said further updates will be provided next week. So uh, we'll try to find out if they're, if they're practicing, you know, uh, if they've got three, you know, three players, or it could have been a staff member too. We don't know, but if they've got three tests and that's it and they're still practicing um, or if they've had more spread and they're shut down, we don't know at this point, um, but hopefully we'll find that out. Uh, Cause I know they knew that they would have COVID issues. I don't think Tommy Joe has ever said we're going to be, you know, they hope to be COVID free, but they were realistic about that this would probably happen. But I think that they were trying to avoid the, sh- the program shutdown. Like you've seen that two weeks, you know, the whole team, no practices, no nothing. Um, I think that was kind of the main goal here. And um, I, I think it's to be determined yet if, um, if this is a, a couple of cases and a couple of games canceled, or if they're going to be out of commission for a couple of weeks. Sissoko and, and little Izzo though, they, they have to be out 17 days. Is that the threat? The, yeah. The big 10th um, yeah. I asked Tom specifically about that because the big 10 has somehow not really told us <laughs> what that is, but it's, it's 10 days of quarantine. Um, so nothing at all for 10 days. And then you come back and I think it's on day 14, you take that cardiac test, um, which you heard about a lot in the fall with the myocarditis. So you take that on day 14 and then it's three days of they want you three days to kind of get back in shape after all that um sitting around so it'd be 17 days so if um you're looking at for Marty at least um you know maybe that Rutgers game on January 28th is the earliest we'd see him which is now only two games away um and but then you know if you had a if it was a player on Wednesday that tested positive then you talk about him missing that game um, and potentially a game at, at Ohio State. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be messy. I think they were hoping that, um, you know, Tom talked about the depth so much and how like his whole plan in November, December was play a bunch of dudes, have some depth. So because I think they thought we're going to be playing games shorthanded. So I um, like they plan to go to Iowa shorthanded. Um, and I, I think they had hoped to keep playing and just have guys out of COVID and obviously that didn't work because they've had two games canceled now yeah we don't we don't know if it's a player that that's a third test it could be right. Right, support staff it could be a coach uh, presumably it's not Tom because he's you know already had it that seems unlikely although we have seen some cases but so we don't know if it's a player right it's not necessarily a player no no they, they didn't say it and it's like they have these like tier one tier two so like the daily testing picks up like uh, players, uh, coaching staff, and like support staff that's around their trainers and stuff like that. It's not a whole lot of people that are really in that tier one. Um, right. So I, um, you know, I, I think at least half those are probably players. Um, but yeah, they didn't specify. Well, yeah, I mean, it looks like the, the the next game on the schedule. I mean, maybe a maybe a slight break is that I I believe they don't have a midweek game scheduled for next week. I think it, no, they had a whole correct. week, so it's like next Saturday against Illinois was the next scheduled game. Um, so maybe that's a slight break. I, I don't really know if they're, cause they haven't announced, you know, I see a lot of programs saying we're going on pause, full shutdown. Right. Michigan state hasn't really said that. I mean, cause which, I mean, I'm speculating here. I don't know anything, but maybe that leads me to believe that maybe the third test wasn't a player. Cause they didn't come out and straight say that they were shutting down. Maybe it was a support person, but it'd be nice to get some answers. <laughs> like, yeah, it would be. And I'm, I'm a little surprised. They were very open on Wednesday. I mean, um, Tommy Joe stood up there and, you know, talked about specific players, kind of laid out everything when they tested positive, you know, that it was confirmed, what the protocols are, 
Um, and then really since then, you know, we, we you know, we kind of asked uh, just a couple minutes ago, like, hey, we're going to talk to Tom this week. And it sounds like they're going to wait till next week, um, which, you know, I think they want to see. Um, they probably want to see the testing results for the next couple of days to know. Um, I, I would, you know, I, part of, part of shutdown is probably semantics, you know, or, I mean, um, are you on a shutdown or you're not on a shutdown? If you have two games canceled, well, um, you can call, you can call that what you want to, um, I guess. I'd be curious if they're practicing today. I might try to find that out, but. You know, um, it's not semantics, Kyle, the difference between postponed and canceled. <laughs> well, uh, that, that is a good question is whether um, these games are going to happen because the Big Ten, unlike, unlike for football, uh, which was still kind of ridiculous to me that they tried to play all those games with absolutely no bye weeks. But Terrible. With, with basketball, they did, um, they did build in dates to, to be able to make it up. Um, and we've seen a couple of the early postponements already get rescheduled. So um, I think there is hope that we'd see uh, Michigan State, Iowa, if that's uh, something you want to see. I'm sure there were some fans that were okay with uh, not seeing Luca Garza uh, last night. Um, uh, so hopefully that happens. But at a certain point, I don't know what the threshold is. At a certain point, if these things keep piling up, you're going to run out of dates. Yeah. To, to that point is. I was not one of those fans. I woke up today or yesterday. I was starting to feel good about Iowa. Like you said, you know, matchup wise, I think Michigan State maybe could have used their athleticism to to look better on offense. Obviously, guarding Luca Garza would have been a concern, especially without a big body like Mati Sissoko. Um, but uh, you know, as as a this is Michigan State, right? We, we shouldn't be afraid of anyone, despite how the season right. is gone. And the guys aren't afraid of anyone. They want to play. They don't, they're not, mm-hmm. I saw some people trying to suggest, oh, well, this is good. This is perfect time. And now we get to, to dodge Iowa for the time being. Well, I think that's a losing mentality. I know the guys don't have that mentality. I mean, you, you got to lace it up and go to work. You can't be dodging people in the big 10 because every single game presents a challenge in this conference. So, I mean, from, from a, let's step away from COVID. Let's talk about the timing of this happening. Michigan state, obviously, coming off a brutal, tough loss to Purdue, a game they should have won, a game they had well in hand in the first half. The offense was terrible in the second half. They let Purdue slide. I called it death by a thousand cuts on Twitter because Purdue just kept coming back, kept coming mm-hmm. back. A couple missed free throws at the end. Purdue wins it on a Travion Williams little jumper. So obviously they're coming off a, a tough loss. They were getting into the meat of their schedule against uh, Iowa, against Trace Jackson Davis in Indiana, against Kofi Coburn in Illinois. Um, we were really going to find out if this Michigan State team was going to make anything out of this season in the coming weeks. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the timing? Is this, uh, is this sort of a time when they can recollect and re- sort of re-examine their season, or do you think they would have rather just gotten back on the court? I, I know players would have rather gotten back on the court. Uh, you know, we talked to Joey Howard yesterday, and he said he said, yeah, it's been a bummer to sit around this long after that uh, Purdue game because that was uh, – that was one of the more heartbreaking ways to lose, you know, uh, you know, they had like the game at Minnesota where they just got stomped the whole game. But I think being up by 17, um, really having the game um, in hand, I mean, what was it? Four points there with 17 seconds left or something. I mean, they had that game. Um, and I, I think you lose in that fashion, you're ready to go out and redeem yourself very quickly. Um, and I think even waiting till Thursday at Iowa seemed like a really long wait. And now you're waiting even longer with that kind of, you know, with Travion Williams running across the Breslin Center celebrating is the lasting image for you. Um, uh, yeah, they, they would have preferred to play. But, you know, um, if the players 
are able to practice who are who are not quarantined. Um, I think practice. You know, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen or not. But if they can work on some stuff, they certainly have some stuff to work on, um, and that could that could certainly benefit them. I want to I want to see them figure out this half court offense a little bit better. Um, get the ball moving along. Get get AJ Hogard a little bit more time. Getting used to that offense. Uh, I think they've. Um, I think they pretty much figured out their defense, except for guarding Trayvon Williams the second half against Purdue the last week. I mean, we forget about Rutgers because Purdue ended so badly, but obviously they played unbelievable against Rutgers a couple of days before that and a very good first half against Purdue. So I think the defense is looking good, and, and they got to figure out how to create more out of the half court. Um, I, I like the Iowa matchup because they were going to be able to run in that matchup. And to me, they've been best offensively when they've been getting out and running. And mm-hmm. your best, sometimes your best solution for a bad half court offense is don't play half court offense. And just exactly. Um, and Iowa was going to let them do that. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, overall, I think it's not good. But here's the other thing if you're going to go on a pause, and teams can go on multiple pauses, this is not saying this is the last one, but I'm going to feel really on bad. Three. For those. Before yeah, they the can Paul, even start the their season. Yeah, that's t- <laughs> peak DePaul for, uh, for that. Um, yeah. But I'm going to feel really bad for the teams that go on a pause in like late February and March and like miss the tournament because of the pause. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think if you're a Michigan State fan, you have to look at the big picture and say, okay, um, this is not going to be a season-ending thing because there are going to be teams that are going to have season-ending COVID pauses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if Michigan State has one pause and it's in – mid-January here, um, they'll be a lot better off than a lot of teams, I think. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, you're going to have teams that, you know, Michigan State needs wins. So that's the other aspect of COVID. Like, yeah, you don't get games, but if you get these marquee games wiped off your schedule and you lose that opportunity to pick up a tier one win or a quadrant one win and it doesn't get back on your schedule, that can be devastating for a team like Michigan State who – I think, you know, last bracketology, I saw them as an 11 seed. I mean, that that's dangerously close to last four in or missing the tournament completely. So uh, Michigan State, you want these games if you if you can get them. Yeah, that, that was kind of the biggest thing I was watching for this week. Like, in my mind, this week was a week where you could, if you played really well, you could kind of get yourself off the bubble. Um, I'm not totally here for mid-January bubble talk because I think there's a lot that needs to shake out. Um, but it's it's something we're keeping an eye on. Michigan State has zero quadrant one wins on January 14th, and that's a, that's a problem. Um, uh, the good news is that uh, you have a lot, a lot, a lot of quadrant one opportunities playing in the Big Ten this year. So the opportunities there, the flip side of that is uh, you don't have a lot of games you can really circle as wins right now. They got one more against Nebraska on the schedule, but beyond that, um, you've got a lot of tough games. So uh, to me, if they were to play this week, it could have been, hey, you got a great win in Iowa. You're, you're looking good. You're off the bubble. Just keep going. Or if it went the other way, we could have been doing some serious bubble talk and talking about an NCAA tournament streak. So we'll pick up that talk whenever they start playing again, I guess. Um, but we're kind of getting towards that time for them. So we shouldn't expect any, you know, uh, Jeff Goodman style, Kyle Austin 25 daily top 25 overreactions on Twitter anytime soon. Uh, I, I don't do January bracketology, just like I'm sure Matt uh, doesn't want to do uh, post 
post-national title game, top 25 rankings, not that Michigan State's in it. Way too no. early. Let's yeah. see it's the like way doing, too early. It's like if, doing if, bowl if, projections in September. Yes, <laughs> yes. If, if way too early is in the headline, I'm probably going to skip it. These it happens <laughs> every year, though. It happens every single year, and it will continue to happen because people click on it. We know that more than anything. I, I want to move on to football here in a sec, but Kyle, one thing that was a, a huge topic of conversation on the Twitter sphere was Tom Izzo finally going small ball against Travion Williams, which is something that we've been talking about. We talked about who's going to guard Travion Williams, and I, and I think we do need to correct ourselves a little bit because we were sort of making fun of Mark, the idea of Marcus Bingham guarding Travion Williams in last pod. And I had forgot that Izzo, that he did a good job on him last year uh, with his length sort of, and Izzo had called him out specifically as someone who did a good job. We saw him guard Travion Williams in the first half. Travion got in foul trouble. Uh, Bingham's length I mean it was probably the best stretch we've seen from Bingham all year second half rolls around and he can't even get in the game Mahdi's not in the game uh, Marble's not in the game instead we have Malik Hall and Joey Hauser trying to guard Travion Williams which seemed like a really puzzling decision I mean what did you make of that it was one of the more puzzling um, coaching moves I've seen Thomas Joe make since I've been on this beat um, yeah. it, it was the front court was um Malik Hall and Joey Hauser for the last eight minutes of that game. And, and you see how many, I mean, they, they sub every 30 seconds and they kept the same front court for eight minutes. And, and it I, wasn't I was going sit- well. <laughs> no. And I was sitting up there. I was trying to figure it out. I, I'm sitting next to, I sit next to Jack Ebling and Chris Solari up there. And, you know, we're, we're socially distanced. So we're shouting at each other, but we're shouting at each other, trying to figure it out. And I thought, I thought they wanted the offense in there because Joey Hauser is their best scoring option there. Um, and there were some other ideas, um, but I, I couldn't figure it out. And Tom said afterwards that he was worried about giving up the three, which doesn't make much sense to me because that's, I, I forget they were, they were like, they weren't three, hitting three, three for 18 or something. They had a putrid percentage from three and, and I get that they have the capability, but it's like, you got to look at what's happening in front of you and not like the season statue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're, if they're not hitting threes at all um, and the, the low post guy is killing you, then you got to put in the lineup that's going to stop the low post guy. And um, it, it was, it was pretty baffling to me. Uh, Tom Izzo, you know, because the COVID stuff came up, we really didn't revisit it this week. Uh, he kind of allowed it right after the game that, yeah, maybe I would do it differently again. Um, oh, but, good. But just to, it was just so puzzling to me because Tom Izzo's coaching decisions always seem to be rooted in defense what is the best defensive lineup I can get out there? And when, and when fans are pulling their hair out, a lot of times it's because he doesn't have the best offensive guys in there. It's because he's got guys like Thomas Tithier. You know, that's why Thomas Tithier gets a lot of minutes because he defends pretty well. Um, Travis and, Walton playing 39 minutes a game. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and this was, and this was like bizarre world because teams are screaming for him to get defensive guys in there. And he's sticking with more, you know, Joey Hauser, more, who's a pretty good offensive guy, but, was just overmatched doing Trey Van Williams. So it was kind of a bizarre world thing for me. It certainly, um, you could certainly argue, I mean, I think he had 24 second half points. I think you could argue it lost them that game. Um, but one of, one of the more curious sites I've seen. Of this team. The rotation is still a mess. I mean, they're, they, they're not getting consistent play from anyone. I mean, I don't recall a season when there's been more criticism of Izzo's rotations and his starting lineups and his subs. I, I don't recall one where it's been this, vocal it seems nonstop, and part of that is because they can't find anyone to consistently perform but 
Tom seemed, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to say that he's off because of COVID, but like, he does seem a little bit off. Maybe it's just a transition year and he's coaching more long-term than for this season when he, you know, they obviously have a stellar recruiting class coming mm-hmm. in next year. There's the possibility of Imani. There's the possibility of Enoch Boyace. I mean, that doesn't seem like Tom to, to just pack in a season, mm-hmm. but his decisions are, you know, I don't want to sit here and act like we know more than Tom Izzo because we don't, but like, it seems fair to criticize some of his decisions this year. It just doesn't seem like he's in peak form. Well, he's got a tough team to – it's hard to make these decisions because I, I think he's been kind of playing a bunch of guys waiting for one of these centers to look like the best center and say, okay, you're the guy. We're going with you. Or, you know, um, a couple other positions waiting for a guy to kind of emerge. And it's just not happening. And I, I, I think if you if you have a criticism, it's – all right, at a point, you got to pick, just pick somebody. And it's been long enough. These guys are not distinguishing themselves um, and say, okay, we're going with these guys. And he's done that at times. Um, you know, there was the game where Julius Marble didn't play. Um, that was shortening the rotation and picking with guys uh, against Purdue. Uh, I don't think Gabe Brown played he at all. He played six half. minutes. Like, yeah. what, what did I, Gabe Brown do? Well, they needed I, offense. I don't I asked, understand. Well, I asked Tom yesterday, and he said he liked how Aaron Henry and Josh Langford were playing. So but play so, them so, all. <laughs> but so that's the thing. Like, you want to shorten the rotation. Uh, you're going to have a guy out of there that people are going to be screaming about. Because people were screaming when Julius Marble wasn't playing. People were screaming when Game Brown. I mean, it's uh, the point is, you know, we've been saying this about this team from the beginning, is they've got a lot of very equal parts. And it is very hard to pick eight, nine guys. Um to, to, to go with and when you you pick a guy then he doesn't go well then you know, it's oh maybe I should have picked the other guy so it's um and uh and then the I mean and the point guard experiment is some of this too I mean they they ran a failed point guard experiment and I don't blame them I think it was the right thing to do at the time uh but Rocket Watts just didn't do as well at point guard as we thought he would and as the staff thought they would and they had to make a pretty major mid-season change at the most critical point and insert a freshman there and that's <laughs> your offense is not going to look great when you do that well, I think what we're seeing more than anything is it's very hard to win, especially in the Big Ten, if you don't have an elite or above average player at either point guard or center. And right now, Michigan State doesn't have either of those things. They have a lot of talented wings who can't really flourish because they don't have, you know, their their best pure point guard is is a freshman. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think we're just seeing that that sort of the issues that come along with that. And, and when is the last time they really didn't have like a low post scoring threat, really? It's been forever. Right, because, I mean, Joey House is a good scorer, but he, he, he doesn't post up. He doesn't go back to the basket very much. And no. um, none of the other big. No, and none of the other centers, except for a flash here and there, really do that. Like I was trying to think the last time they had a guy, they really didn't have a guy that does that. And yeah, you need Nick Ward down there to draw a double team and kick it out for those. And stuff like oh god ptsd um, of nick ward trying to kick uh kick out double yeah good there. point bad example <laughs> you, need, you need xavier tillman to do that yeah. some of the some of those trayvon williams passes by the way my god that guy can, that oh it would have been nice if they had trayvon <laughs> williams on their team that's all i was thinking the whole game i'm just like this guy's from michigan why is he on our team what is going on here anyways they're gonna have some time to figure this out here they're going on a covid pause uh, well, we don't know if they're going on a COVID pause, but we know they're not going to play at least until next Saturday. So uh, we'll have to see. Hopefully we get some more specific information. Um, so let's get on to football here. Uh, Matt is still here. He's hanging out, listening to our, our wonderful basketball conversation. Once again, we've, we've 
mutated into talking about non-sports, which is something I hope that we could avoid, but that's how it goes here these days. But uh, the football news has been busy still with player news. We got people coming in, we got people coming out. Um, so Matt, let's start with the transfers. Uh, can you give us the latest update and, and what you think it means, uh, you know, for the team or the roster shakeup or whatever? Yeah, well, I think since the last one, uh, last podcast we did, um, wide receiver Javez Alexander became the 15th Michigan State player since uh, November 16th to enter the portal. Um, then Davion Williams uh, committed to Western Kentucky, Anthony Williams Jr. to Akron, Max Rosenthal to Illinois. Uh, I thought the Rosenthal one was interesting, um, given that, you know, I thought he did well when he took over as a starting fullback in, in midway through the 18 season. Um, and then they basically eliminated his position. Um, and that's unfortunate for him, but uh, you know, to, to get a, you know, a scholarship spot in the big 10, uh, he became the first of the eight Michigan state transfers who have named their next school. He's the first one uh, landing in the power five uh, program. So good for him. Um, and then uh, I, well, uh, Kenneth Walker III is the fifth committed addition from the portal for Michigan State. And I think that's, you know, outside of Anthony Russo, that might be the most notable one. When you look at what he can do with the ball, uh, you look at his stats, his career numbers, and then we watch his tape. I think, you know, he, there's, a guy, <laughs> there's a guy that has the opportunity to possibly be the leading rusher next season. And that, that's obviously interesting for a team that has really, really struggled to run the ball the last three years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. the running back room is looking strong at this point. I mean, I'm surprised no one's transferred out. I mean, you got Kenneth Joyner, you've got Simmons from last year, Elijah Collins is still there, uh, uh, Connor Hayward is there for his 14th season. I mean, I, there I'm, are eight, as it stands now, they would have, if nobody else leaves and the guys they got coming in come in, they would have eight scholarship running backs this fall which is a very large number. And if you go back just a little more than a year ago, when, when they had guys hit, entering the portal after Hayward did and, uh, and Ladarius Jefferson did, they were at a spot, if I re- recall this right, where they only had three scholarship running backs on the team. Mm-hmm. That was Elijah Collins, um, Anthony Williams Jr., and Brandon Wright. Two of those were true freshmen. That's how thin the, that's how thin the room was uh, just a little more than a year ago. And now you're looking at the possibility of having – eight guys there. So yeah, I wouldn't that be surprised if you see um, another departure or two, just because, um, I mean, let's be honest, you're going to play and they played up to five running backs in in a game this year, but then they shrunk the rotation. So you really want two or three. If you got eight on your team, (laughs) you know, I I don't know if if you got all that many guys are going to be waiting around for the opportunity, but um, yeah, interesting addition. I, I love Anthony Walker. I've, I've followed him closely because um, I have a fantasy uh, dynasty team. He's on it <laughs> for Wake Forest. Yeah, for Wake Forest. Uh, you know, if you remember Wake Forest, I mean, Michigan State just played them a couple years ago. They run that style where the quarterback will do this super, super long read, like three, four seconds. Like, yeah, the mesh the whole, point is yeah, the, uh, extended. Yeah, and Anthony Walker thrived in that. I mean, he this guy could make cuts in the holes. He's got breakaway speed. I didn't even know he was in the portal, but now that he's going to Michigan State, when I saw that, which, by the way, that commitment happened amid the chaos that was going on at the Capitol, I'm like, we had just gotten done recording our pod last week, and all of a sudden, I'm, all this crazy stuff is going on, and all of a sudden, Anthony's Walker's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to Michigan State, so it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. I can't believe we got a commitment in between that, but 
I'm excited about him being at Michigan State. I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be great for my dynasty team, but that's, that's beside the point. Uh, I'm really pumped up about that addition. Um, I love the way Mel, from a larger standpoint, I love the way Mel is using the transfer portal. I mean, he's delivering on his promise to uh, – what did he say? He's looking at it like free agency, and he's yeah, definitely he, delivering he on that. that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he has not shied away from the fact that, one, he expected roster attrition into the portal and for other reasons, and two, that they would be active uh, pulling guys out, and that's certainly the case. I don't know how many more guys they'll get, um, but I would look at um, linebacker in the secondary to be two spots where if they can find a guy – um, that would be, a, you know, those are positions of need where they don't have much experience stuff. And then in terms of other player news, uh, we got some news on early enrollees, right? So what, what is that? What's up yeah. with that? Well, so when, when Tucker announced the early um, signing class on this December 16th, he said there'd be four early enrollees, uh, Ethan Boyd, offensive lineman from East Lansing, uh, Texas quarterback, Hamp Fay, and then Ohio safeties, Michael Gravely Jr. and A.J. Kirk. And then, uh, and I talked to... I caught the, uh, I drove up to East Lansing High School on Saturday and caught the end of uh, their loss to uh, Mona Shores to talk to Ethan real quick. Um, tough end to his high school career, losing a regional game on a field goal as time expired. But, um, you know, he's excited to get there. And, you know, quick turnaround when you go from playing high school football, your last game to a week later, you'll be in college. Um, and I talked to Hamp Faye and he was, uh, he was supposed to leave today. And, you know, he's been already on Zoom calls with Jay Johnson and, and the rest of the quarterbacks in the room doing working on some uh, defensive identification stuff. So, uh, you know, he's excited to get ready to go. And then Cameron Allen, tight end from Texas on Tuesday, if I remember right, uh, he announced that he's also going to be an early enrollee, which would give him five. Uh, I talked to him that day and he was <laughs> in the middle of packing suitcases. And he said he found out just two days before that, he got a call from uh, tight ends, coach Ted Gilmore and said, um, you know, there's a spot for you. So, you know, time to, time to get up here. So uh, interesting. Cause you know, obviously you can't just decide to be an early enrollee at the drop of a hat. You have to uh, actually graduate high school in December, which Cameron Allen was did. And he was, he put in the work to take the classes and was all done and said he was uh, initially leaning on not being an early enrollee, even when he didn't know if he'd have a spot because he wanted to, see out the rest of the playoffs, which if you can believe it, yes, Texas is still high school playoffs are still ongoing in his division. Um, but they lost uh, in December and he got the call and said there's a spot for him. So he went from planning on getting uh, to East Lansing in June to uh, he will be flying up on Sunday with his parents and most of his stuff's going to be ordered online and shipped to him. And uh, yeah, college life comes at you fast, I guess. So, uh, interesting additions from Michigan State. We'll see. I mean, obviously the track record, you get there early, you get, you get a head start on everything, but that doesn't guarantee um, you're going to be, a, a, you know, one of the guys that are, you know, true contributors as a true freshman. You see it both ways. Um, look at last year, um, you know, Ricky White wasn't an early enrollee, had the huge game at Michigan. Um, Jordan Simmons wasn't an early enrollee. He ends up being basically the best running back. Um, and then Angelo Gross was an early enrollee, and he was your, obviously your best true freshman on uh, defense. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, especially because Mel, you know, he was taking over a, a roster that he really didn't have anything to do with last year. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see, like, how now that he has his guys coming in there, how that's going to, you know, change things. Yeah, and an actual offseason, you know. I mean, right. they did have a conditioning program last year. Um, of course, it started with Mark D'Antonio and his staff, and then in uh, – you know, February out, you get the changes. And then 
Mel had basically just got his staff, had his staff in place and they were, you know, wrapping it up and uh, ready to get uh, spring practice started. And then, you know, we know what happened after that. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, and Mel had said he wanted it to be the most rigorous taxing and most and relentless off season conditioning program in the history of sports. So um, should be interesting for those guys, but uh, you know, I mean, obviously you hope that they're able to keep everything uh, safe as much as they can and have an actual off season program uh, and hopefully get an actual uh, fall to follow. And Matt Coughlin also came back too, right? Kicker. Yeah. Yes. So um, obviously the NCAA granted every, all fall sports athletes an additional year of eligibility due to COVID. Um, but it doesn't mean that the coaches have to bring them back. So um, I'd asked Mel about this back in, I think it was early December. And he said, yeah, I'd probably see some guys back, but you know, basically admitted it's got to it has to be an agreement both ways we got to want them back and they've got to want to come back so um so far drew beasley defensive end said he's coming back defensive end jacob panasuk in a cryptic tweet tweet basically said the same thing and then matt coglin yesterday uh becomes the third senior to indicate they're returning um and that's a you know that's a that's a big one to get back because if you know, he's a four-year starter at kicker. If they don't get him back, you mean you think obviously Jack Olson is your is your guy, and he was one of the top kickers in um, in the 2020 recruiting class. But you know, hasn't he hasn't attempted a field goal yet or an extra point? So you don't really know what you get with Coglin. You know, you do, um, and he's one of the the best kickers in program history. He ranks second in Michigan State history for career field goals made, third in attempts, fourth in percentage, fifth in points, and you know, basically all those marks. Uh, and he's never missed an extra point. And all those um, those career uh, records are, are basically within sight for him um, for, with another season. So, you know, he had the rough 2019 year where he finished uh, 22 at 32. But other than that, he's been good. He was good uh, this year in, you know, limited action, I guess you'd say, being a reduced schedule. But he was 9 for 12. He made a 51-yarder at Michigan, if I remember right. And then uh, all three of his misses are from at least 40 yards. So, uh you bring him back, you know what you got, and very worst case scenario, if he if he was to struggle, you got you know one of the top prospects in the nation from the class before, uh, ready to go behind him. And five star long snappers, don't forget. Oh, Hank five star long snappers, yeah. <laughs> a lot of good uh, yeah, kick, I, a lot of good kickers in Michigan State's history too. So those numbers are are impressive. Yeah, 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 and that's been that's been pretty good. You know, he's been reliable. He's got a couple game winners, um, at least. The, Two I can think of off the top of my head, and don't forget the famous uh, six-yard touchdown run at uh, Indiana on the fake. He was uh, he was very happy after that game. That was uh, if you want to see a kicker smile, I don't know what he was more uh, if he what he was happier with the uh, the winning the making the game winner against Penn State or uh, the six-yard touchdown run against Indiana. Yeah, Pat McAfee was probably pumped too when that happened. I'm sure he was <laughs> chirping on Twitter when that went down. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, I think that pretty much covers the player movement. Either of you guys got any other thoughts on on football before we wrap this up? Uh, I'd like to know what the uh, schedule is actually going to be next year. That's kind of uh, what's just lingering. I mean, you have the off. You, I mean, you have the you have the whole schedule in place, but will that be what it? actually ends up being you know is there going to be ramifications for in the uh non-conference game and what will the big 10 do because you know they already said with um when they put out the last version of the uh of last year's schedule actually it was the version before when they when they flipped games around so obviously michigan played at michigan michigan state played at michigan for a second year in a row and indiana played at michigan state for a second year in a row they would be scheduled 
be three years in a row in the same location, but the, the Big Ten had already said that won't happen. So will they just change those games? But and then there are other quirks you got to figure out. So I'll be interested to see when they actually get to that maybe. Uh, so, yeah, more uh, Big Ten scheduling drama in the future maybe. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll look out for that. We'll keep an eye on it. Kyle will stay on top of the uh, the COVID stuff with the basketball program. We'll try and figure out if they're practicing or what's going on there. Uh, would be nice to get a little clarification. But as of now, Michigan State's next scheduled game, next Saturday at Illinois. Um, Matt will stay on top of the football movement. Um, but, yeah, that'll pretty much do it. I think next week's pod we might be a little light. So if you want to send uh, questions to, to me or Kyle or Matt on Twitter, or if you uh, want to send Matt's text service or uh, any way, I mean, I'd, we'd be happy to answer any questions you got about anything, really, uh, related to Michigan State because um, I don't think we're going to have any games going on next week, unfortunately. Um, but uh, that's going to do it for today's episode here on January 14th, also known as the day Cheesy Fiesta Potatoes return to Taco Bell. Fantastic news this morning, guys. I don't know if you caught that, but uh, it's on the trending beat. That's just life here on the trending beat. Uh, so <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. But, uh, again, appreciate you all for listening. We'll stay on top of everything. Check us out on MLive.com, and please rate and review the podcast if you can. We very much appreciate it. And until next time, go green.